With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I believe that everybody has a story. And I'm fascinated to hear them. So come with me as we take a walk down Fascination Street. Welcome back, Streetwalkers. This episode is with Angela Predom. Angela is a singer-songwriter from Detroit, Michigan, who recently released her fifth album called Love. In this episode, we talk about where she grew up and what got her into music. We talk about some of the different musical styles and artists that influence her. And she lets us play a song off of her 2019 album, Love. It was a lot of fun to get to know and to talk to Angela. She's super easy to talk to and just easy going all around. I know you guys are going to enjoy this episode, so let's get right to it. This is my conversation with Angela Predom. Welcome to Fascination Street Podcast, Angela Freedom. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Steve. It is 100% my pleasure. Now, for those of you who just looked at your phone or whatever you're listening to this on and you were like, wait a minute, he said freedom, but that's not how it's spelled. But I promise I did it right. I, I checked before I hit record. So y'all stop just looking at your phone. You're going to wreck. <laughs> All right. So, Angela. Tell me where you are from. Where did you grow up? Where were you raised? Well, I was born in Detroit, Michigan, and uh, now I live outside of the city, about an hour out of the city in, in a country, rural kind of area with some hills and some space, and uh, it's really beautiful. So yeah, I, I've lived in Michigan all my life. You know, I've traveled to a certain extent, but yeah, I always come home here. We love our lakes. You know, the the lakes are great. I would have a hard time leaving this state because I feel landlocked anywhere else, <laughs> unless I'm on a coast. So this is going to sound like a really stupid, stupid question, but which Great Lake are you nearest to? Well, my family, since I've been, you know, since I was a kid, um, they have a place um, on Lake Huron up north. And so, oh, nice. um, yeah, I spent a lot of summers, you know, swimming in the big lake and um, it's cold. It's cold until till like mid-July, then it gets like you can get used to it. And then in August, it's like, okay, I can do this. So I'm I'm probably closest to um, Lake Huron, but, you know, I'm really, you know, a couple hours, two and a half hours from Lake Michigan also. 
Oh, nice. I don't know how the school system is in Michigan, but down here in the Texas school system, we learned the ac- an acronym to help us remember all of those Great Lakes. Did y'all have an acronym? Oh, is it Holmes? It is Holmes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's that. really funny is- It's cool uh, you guys had to learn it. I didn't know anybody else had to learn it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's really funny because, you know, I'm 45 and even as recently as a couple of weeks ago, for some reason, I was trying to remember the name of one of the lakes. Oh, I think I was doing a crossword puzzle with my wife. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Great Lake. Because the clue was like a Great Lake or something. And I'm like, well, there, there's only so many. And then I was like, what are they? Is it is it houses? No. Is <laughs> it? You, you went back to the homes thing? Did yeah, you, did you, I really did. Did you get it? Did it help I you? did. I did get it. Yeah. What it was, was the really answer? cool. Ontario. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. That's the furthest one. I hardly ever get over there because that's kind of far from Michigan. But it's, you know, Niagara Falls and stuff. So. Gotcha. So Niagara Falls is Ontario? Yeah. Okay, because I've been to Niagara Falls. It's, I mean, it also is New York. There's the New York side, the, right. but the more was, touristy side is the Canadian side. Yeah, I was on the Canadian side, but I swear to God, I was in Toronto. Oh, it's close. Oh, Toronto, Ontario. That's right. Yeah, it's not too far from Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but... At the time, I had just gotten uh, my first ever smartphone, Mm -hmm. and it was a Samsung Galaxy S3, I think. And I was really happy with the way it took pictures, like it took really good pictures and everything. But when we went to Toronto and we got on that boat, I think it was like the Maiden of the Mist. Oh, no, that's Niagara Falls. Yeah. What did I say? You said Toronto. Well, that isn't Toronto. No, Niagara Falls is a different city. What? Yeah, sorry. Wait a minute. Sorry. Holy you just have moly. to look at your phone map and you know it'll all come together for you. I, I guess so. <laughs> I know the Maid of the Mist, though. Yeah, that, that's the boat where you go by the falls. Yeah, and so I took this picture because I guess when you're on that boat, you're down on the bottom and the New York is up at the top of the falls. Mm-hmm. And so I took this picture and I didn't realize it until I got home, but that picture was like, so beautiful and pristine. Like, even though I took it with my, you know, little Galaxy 3 or whatever, it was so pretty that when I took it and had that photo blown up to three feet by four feet, it still looks like a painting. It's so beautiful. I framed it and it's it's in my bedroom above my TV. And it's my favorite picture that I've ever taken. Wow. You should put it on your website or something. I got to see it. Oh, you're or so your sweet. Instagram or... Maybe I'll put it on my Instagram, yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It's my favorite, favorite picture. It was really funny because when I took it to have it framed, the guy was like, well, if I put this frame on it, it's going to cut out these people up here. And I was like, well, I don't know them. It's okay if you cut those (laughs) fools out. Because, you know, he was talking about like at the top of the falls. He's like, what's going to cut these people out? I'm like, I don't know. It wasn't a picture of those people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I mean, it's it's so beautiful. There's, you know, froth and, and rainbows and it's just gorgeous. Wow. But enough about me. We're here to talk about you. So you grew up in Michigan, in and around the Detroit areas. Is that where your family is from? Yep, yep, they are. You know, it's really um, kind of, it was kind of a, an international thing. You know, like my, my dad's family um, had a lot of people in Canada, and I still have cousins right over the border. So as a kid, you know, we'd always cross the border to visit relatives, which was nothing. You know, I mean, customs back then 
was like, you know, we go over, the, there's a bridge and a tunnel from Detroit. And it's like, you get to the other side and they just say like citizenship. And we'd say U.S., U.S., like everybody in the car had to say. And and then just like, okay. You know, I mean, it was like so easy. It was nothing, you know, but now it's, now it's a pretty big deal, you know, crossing borders. But yeah, yeah. So I grew up, you know, with this sort of French Canadian thing going on in Detroit. There's a lot of French names for the, the streets and the places and um, so, yeah, but my family and my mom's family is also French Canadian, but they were more like Detroit, Detroit based. So, so yeah, I mean, it's pretty, you know, I've had a pretty, uh, hardcore Detroit area upbringing with all that comes with that. <laughs> well, my sincerest apologies for the lions. Oh, <laughs> you know what? If I cared about football, I would, yeah, I mean, I'm a musician. I don't, you know, sports right. are like, whatever, you know? Sure. No, I get it. Back to the border crossing, you know, down here in San Antonio, you know, it used to be no thing to just go to Mexico. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. My my wife and I, one of our first dates, we drove down to Laredo, which is a couple hours from here. And, you know, we stayed at a hotel. And then the next morning, we just walked across the border to Mexico. And, you know, we had lunch and beers and shopping. And then we just walked back across and we're like, yep, we're American. And then... That was it. But now there's rubber gloves involved and there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. And so much so that even hundreds of miles away from the border, there's checkpoints. Wow. Yeah. I'm looking at I called up a map on my computer and yeah, I see where San, San Antonio is. And you guys aren't you're not terribly close to Mexico, but you're you're like probably the the biggest city. We're definitely the biggest one uh, closest to the border in October. My wife and I took our kids, they're in their mid-20s, and we all took just like a family road trip. We went to this little camping spot in, in Texas, and then we went to Laredo, and then we went to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and we kind of hung out. And this was all in the car. And, oh my gosh, we were probably, oh, I want to say we were 150 miles away from the border of Mexico, and we had to go through a, a checkpoint. And everybody had to pull out their IDs and wow, the white like I'm clear, and so <laughs> you know blonde hair, blue eyes, clear, and so it's yeah. always funny to me that I have to pull up my ID and prove that. Yeah, I'm really. <laughs> well, maybe yeah, maybe you're the you know you got a weird gene going on. They're worried about so, you know, <laughs> yeah, some guess. kind of fluke. You know, it's weird. Yeah, that's funny. So what did your family do um, as far as, you know, like what did your parents do? What did your grandparents do for a living? Oh, um, well, none of them were in music. But <laughs> oh, I would, I'm like the creative, um, you know, rogue person. But uh, they were, well, my dad's family, um, they were accountants. And my dad is a CPA. His dad was a CPA and like independent, you know, independent CPAs in, in Detroit and my mom's family, my mom mostly was a stay-at-home mom. Her her dad was a, was a Ford engineer. A lot of the people in my family are somehow, besides the accountants, they're connected to the auto industry here. Like my brother works for an auto supplier. One of my best friends works for, for an auto supplier. A lot of people are, you know, and my daughter's boyfriend works for, for an auto supplier. So a lot is tied into, you know, there's a lot of engineers and, uh, you know, on the traditional professions, so... Okay, so, you know, you come from at least a couple of generations of CPAs uh, and accountants. Why? Oh, yeah, and the uncles. My uncles are CPAs, too. My dad's brothers are. So I never worry about my taxes. I guess they not. Covered, <laughs> you know. 
That's funny. In my family, it's nurses. Everybody in my family is oh. a nurse. So, so yeah, you, you don't worry about the health concerns. You got people to call. Well, it's actually quite the opposite. They're all in panic mode all the time. So, <laughs> oh, okay. You cough and they're like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, you cough and they're like, oh my God, are you okay? I'm like, oh, quarantine relax. him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, quarantine him. It's, that's right. Thanksgiving yeah. is canceled. Steve has the sniffles. Um, <laughs> so, you, you have a whole lot of accountants in your family. Why mm-hmm. did you not become an accountant? You know, they, they sort of presented it to me, you know, when I was in high school and early high school. And I, I guess I didn't feel passionate about that. You know, I don't know. It just wasn't for me. And, you know, I'm really fortunate that I was brought up to kind of like it's OK to do what I want to do, you know, because I know that some families really sort of steer their children into professions that they think are the best or, or whatever. And um, my first profession, um, I was a graphic artist. I was a graphic designer. You know, when I was young, I went to art school just out of high school. And and then I did a few years as a, as a freelance graphic artist. And, you know, my mom just told me early on, you know, it's competitive. And I was like, okay, well, I know. So I knew what I was getting into, but I just, I mean, I was just born this super creative person. And believe me, a creative accountant isn't really what you want. You know, somebody's going to go to jail if I'm too creative. So, you know, as an accountant. So, I mean, the creativity and accounting didn't really work, you know. But uh, yeah, so I'm just being myself, being who I was born to be. You know, I love music. I love creative things. I love art. I love, you know, anything creative. I think it's really cool that, you know, your family supported your sort of do whatever you want to do kind of a thing. Obviously, you were artistic growing up because you decided to go to art school to be a graphic designer or graphic artist. But when did you get into music? Like at what age did you pick up an instrument or a microphone or or whatever and say, you know what? Like, when was that unlocked for you? Well, that's a really uh, interesting question because, you know, I started playing the piano when my grandmother moved out of her house into a condo and we got her piano and I was maybe like eight or nine years old. And then I started taking lessons not too long after that. And I really loved it, you know, so and then I was in middle school band, you know, I played the clarinet and then I later played the saxophone and, you know, I did music and band and stuff. But, you know, as far as piano, I mean, you know, I did the traditional lessons. I mean, I, I played classical and all the stuff in typical lesson books. Like, I thought that the only options were like, I didn't want to be like a lounge singer. It just wasn't me. I just didn't see myself as that. Like, I didn't really know if there were any other things open to me because honestly, on the radio, everything I heard was male. Most stuff was men. It just seemed completely inaccessible for me to do recorded music that would be heard far and wide. I just didn't think that was possible. You know, I thought you had to have this star quality and somebody signed you and it was all that stuff that people think about, you know, and I just didn't see myself as that. I was was shy. I was, I never like wanted to be a star. You know, I just liked music a lot. You know, who really unlocked it for me was some of the male art, female artists in the nineties. There was like Jewel and Sarah McLaughlin. 
And uh, when they start, don't leave out Alanis Morissette. Yeah, she owned the nineties. Oh yeah, yeah, she did. She was a little harder than I would be, though. You know, I mean, she was a rock chick. You know, kind of like a Pat Benatar thing. Sure. And Pat Benatar was, you know, she was amazing. You know, but she kind of had to do that, kind of like Heart. You know, the the female duo Heart. It's like they had to have this edge if they were going to be in rock. So that was part of their image. But then when it turned out to be okay in pop music to be female. Like Jewel and Sarah McLaughlin and uh and, and Alanis Morissette did have some kind of, you know, mid tempo stuff and she wasn't super hard. You know, then that that really made me see that okay, well maybe there is a place for women and for females to do kind of chill out mellow music, you know, and then you know, then Nora Jones came out and it's like, Yeah, all right, I can do this, you know. Hey streetwalkers, here's a word from our sponsors. Guess what, Streetwalkers? The gear is here. A bunch of you have been asking for quite some time, and now finally it's here. Head over to FascinationStreetPod.com and check out the gear tab. There, you'll find all kinds of FSP items to tickle your fancy. T-shirts, coffee mugs, sticker packs, pins, buttons, coasters, and my personal favorite, for just 5 bucks, you can get one of those weird little phone handle pop thingies. So head to FascinationStreetPod.com and show the world that you're proud to be a streetwalker. Special thanks to my good buddy Stephen O'Reilly from the Barstar Podcast for these dope drum beats. Check out Steve's work at O'Reilly Drums on Instagram or search Stephen O'Reilly on YouTube. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's get back into it. So at what point, like roughly what age are you when you decide that well, first of all, I think it's really cool that your first inclination to get into music was when, for all intents and purposes, a piano just showed up at your front door. Yeah. <laughs> and so then you, I guess your family was like, you know what? Instead of just dusting this thing every week, maybe we should get this chick to use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I have a brother and sister and everybody sort of messed with it and played with it. And, and I mean, my mom, you know, offered lessons and things like that. So, yeah, we took her up on it. My brother took lessons, too. And he's a drummer now. Then he switched over to drums. And he actually my brother played the drums on some of my songs on the album. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah, it's cool. That's very cool. So your mom, she was, I guess, proficient enough at piano to teach you guys? Oh, no, 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 she didn't. Oh, no, she, she didn't. didn't teach us. No, no, she offered to get gotcha, us lessons. Gotcha, gotcha. I think there was a piano or an organ in her house when she was growing up, but she didn't really take to it. You know, she didn't really consider herself a musical person. Neither of my parents did music. 
But I remember when they played music, you know, when they played their albums and stuff, I really felt it. You know, I mean, I just really liked it and I really connected to it. So even though I didn't play anything at a young age, I I just felt this connection to music and it made me feel alive. Oh, I 100% get it. My dad has been in bands my entire life. Oh, cool. Even my sister at some point, she wanted to be, you know, the next Tiffany or or Debbie Gibson. (laughs) Oh, okay. And she had a great singing voice. She probably still does, but I don't think she has sung in a while. But not a musical bone in my body. It's pretty pathetic how unmusically inclined I am. But that said, I love music and I always have. And, you know, like you, you know, my parents would put on, you know, records when I was a little kid and music was very important in my house. Even though my mom didn't play any instruments, she played music all the time. So, you know, we just had music all the time in our house. And so I grew up with a real deep appreciation for music. And a lot of people say, when you say, hey, what do you listen to? They say, oh, I listen to everything, but they really don't. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But I truly do. Like, I listen to rock. I listen to rap. I listen to country. I listen to reggae. Tejano, I, I listen to, you know, just Irish ballads or, or just Celtic instrumental. Like, I just listen to everything. I love music. Yeah, you know, it's all good. And it's really, you know, did, did you see the Ray Charles movie called Ray? The one with Jamie Foxx? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was so good. Anyways, you know, Ray Charles, like, you know, in that movie, he says, you know, music is music. You know, like when he switched genres. And I mean, it really is. You know, I mean, people that are really have music in their heart and soul. I mean, it's like it doesn't really matter the genre. And on my albums, I have some different styles going on. And I've done some really different types of things that my songs don't all sound the same. And because to me, it's all the same. Like like on this new album, the first track is like reggae. It's kind of a reggae pop. And then I have other things that are like more soul. And another one is kind of more funky rock. And I don't know. It's Music is music. I, I get bored if it's all the same. Is there is there one that you like? Like, what genres are your favorite? What music do you like? What did your parents have on that you listen to? My parents played a lot of ABBA, a lot of Heart. Well, there's some female female artists, ABBA. Yeah, so it was a lot of that style. I mean, obviously they played Led Zeppelin and you know the Who and stuff like that. But when my dad wasn't around, my mom would just crank Heart and ABBA, and then at some point they played the Monkees a lot, and you know, I was a little kid. I didn't I didn't know bands from bands or whatever, but I used to watch that show when I was real little, Monkeys was on TV. So, when I was in oh, elementary school, MTV, which was new, they were having a Monkeys marathon. I think it was like the 30th anniversary of the Monkeys or 20th anniversary. So, it was some anniversary of the Monkeys, maybe the 25th anniversary of the Monkeys or something. And MTV had a marathon and they played every single episode of that TV show. <laughs> All back to back in a row. And my dad woke me up at four o'clock in the morning on a school night and made me skip school so that I could watch the Monkeys Marathon because oh, it was so, so important to him. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, I, I think about that often just because it was such a an unfatherly thing to do, you know, wake you up at four o'clock and make you miss school. Sounds like kind of a cool dad, though, you know. It was really cool because yeah. I learned more spending those hours with him and watching those TV shows and learning about the culture and everything, I learned more during that day than I, than I did the entire year of whatever grade that was. So that, you know, that was always really important to me. Oh, and a quick side note. I just found out yesterday that the two surviving monkeys 
are going on tour and they're coming to San Antonio in, in April and they're going to be here like on my mom's birthday. <laughs> oh, wow. Are you guys going to go? Uh, well, unfortunately, my mom passed away a couple of years ago, so she's not oh. going to go. But Oh, sorry. I oh, You didn't do it. But I'm pretty sure my wife and I are going to go. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. Oh, um, that's great. You oh, know, my yeah, husband so is, is a Monkees fan too. So if they come here, maybe we'll we'll have to check it out. So the surviving ones are... Mike and Mickey. Right? Good job. Yeah, because Peter, oh, yeah, I know. Peter I know died what's last, last, I know what's last year. I know. You know, Peter was my favorite, I got to say. You know what? No offense, Mike and Mickey, if you're listening, Peter was absolutely my favorite as well. I know. He just there was, he just had such innocence about him. And, uh, you know, I don't know. He was cool. Well, they were all they were all cool, you know. Although Mike had the attitude going sometimes. And, you know, he still does. But... That's just who he is, you know. Well, I mean, obviously we don't know him, but that is what everybody says. He's actually my Facebook friend. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. How cool is that? Like, it was kind of when Facebook was kind of new, you know, and people were just trying to get as many friends as they could. And I think he was, like, accepting everybody. So, yeah, I don't really see his post very much, you know, how Facebook is. Like, if you don't interact with somebody, you don't see their stuff. But sometimes he would have, like, these long things that he would post that are kind of sort of, you know, criticisms or rants about things. But, I mean, I know he's a really respected and talented musician, and um, he offered a lot to that group, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mickey was cool, though. Mickey's fun. Oh, uh, yeah, he's a lot of fun. I like his voice. <laughs> Isn't it great? Yeah. <laughs> and I think Mickey has a furniture company. Him and his daughters, I think, build furniture. Wow. You know, also, he obviously, he does music, but that's sort of his little side project, you know, to bond with his kids and whatnot, which I think is super cool. I feel like I got to get a Mickey couch. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll look into it. <laughs> So, you know, that, that whole monkeys marathon thing was when I was in elementary school. And then later when I was in either late middle or early high school, you know how you have those, those stupid tests, you know, where they decide how well you've learned or whatever, those skills testing or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I was taking one of those one day and one of the essay questions or whatever, maybe it was multiple choice. I don't remember what it was, but, oh, it was one of those things where you got to read the paragraph and then answer the questions about it. Yeah. Well, the paragraph was about Mike Nesmith. Oh, <laughs> and you probably you nailed that, right? Well, no. It, I learned oh, no. so much from that paragraph because apparently Mike Nesmith's mother. Oh, I know this. Isn't yeah. that nuts? White out, right? She, yeah, she invented liquid paper. That is so crazy. It is. I think that's super dope. So what kind of music did you grow up listening to? I read this interesting article one time, but it was like research. And it said that sometimes like you're a lot, some musical tastes are actually genetic. They have genetic basis or they found a correlation. So anyways, my dad was kind of into more of the bluesy stuff. I mean, he liked Little Richard and Bo Diddley, these bands called like the Coasters and the Robins and, you know, these sort of doo-wop type of groups and, you know, old R&B like that. And they listen to Motown, you know. And then my mom was more into things like Johnny Mathis, and I remember that she had a Barry Manilow album. Barry Manilow's really good. And just same with the Monkees. It's like they had the best songwriters in, in California or, or in the business writing for them. You know, they had Neil Diamond and Carole King. And, you know, so their songs were great because they had great writers. And um, so, so yeah, I, I kind of got this sort of pop 
thing going on, but really this blues-based thing, um, from what I heard, you know, a lot of R&B-based stuff, old R&B, even before Motown, like Bo Diddley kind of stuff. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So at what point did you sort of narrow down your musical style? (laughs) That is still a process. (laughs) I mean, I guess I don't really feel the need to be in a box. I mean, I just kind of do what I feel like. I mean, I guess my style, I would say that it's melodic, it's soulful. It's just sort of what comes out of me. But I I also have this side of me that has these sing-songy things going on. So I do have some songs that are really catchy little numbers, you know, almost childlike. I just write in these different styles, and that's how it comes out. And I don't really want to try to force myself to do something just because it's popular. You know, I mean, I'm not going to try to, like, be like, okay, now I'm going to do hip-hop. I mean, that's just not who I am. It's not my influences. I think I would suck at it, you know. So I guess I just stick with my fortes and, uh, you know, what sounds, what comes out of me and what I feel. So I guess narrowing down my style, I guess it was sort of a process of self-discovery. You know, I found what I liked by doing different things, by writing different things. And, And I, you know, sometimes if I do covers, like I was just working on a cover that I'm going to be playing at gigs. Um, Sam Smith, stay with me. You know, that's a cool. I mean, I like Sam Smith. His style isn't terribly different from mine. It's mellow. It's melodic. It's very kind of R&B-ish, soul-ish, vocal-based. You know, but it's like a melody that you remember that stays in your in your head. That song, which you know, like Tom Petty. You know about that whole Tom Petty thing, right? No. Oh, really? Okay. Do you know that song, Sam Smith? Um, stay with me. Yeah. Okay, if you think of Tom Petty, no, I won't back down. Da, 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 da. So stay with me because you're all I need. So he got sued for that. No kidding. It's same, yeah, it's the same melody as Tom Petty, I won't back down. But he said, Sam Smith said, I, I don't know that song. I never heard that song. And, you know, I believe that. I think that's true. You know, I mean, there's only like 11 notes in the scale or however many notes are in the scale. You know, I mean, you can only put them together so many ways. And that's a very catchy melody. It's it's a very natural melody. So anyways, I, I forgot what your original question was. Well, also, mind. Sam Smith probably wasn't born when that song was popular on the radio. Exactly. He's like young. Yeah. yeah he's like 12 or you know, yeah. <laughs> 20, 22 or something. But. Yeah, yeah. You answered my question. Uh, my question was, uh, when did you narrow down your, your particular style? And the answer was that you kind of didn't. Yeah. It just sort of flows and however it comes yeah, out yeah. is however it comes out. And I just let it be, you know? Yeah. You you and uh, John Lennon. Now. <laughs> oh, I love the Beatles. Well, who doesn't? Now, you've released five albums and, and a holiday album, right? Well, the holiday one was an EP that's like only digital. It's like six songs. But um, but yeah, yeah, I just released my um, fifth full album yeah, in September. And what's that called? Love? Yeah, it's called Love. Now, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> it's about, you know, feeling good, being compassionate. And I mean, it's just like, you know, hey, let's be positive kind of songs. You know, there's one sad song on it called Let It Play On While I Cry. And that song is, you know, really the intention is like healing. You know how like sometimes you just need to cry, you know, like if something bad happens and you're holding it all in, you're holding it all. I mean, you just got to let it out. And then when you let it out, you feel better, you know. So even though that song is about 
being sad, it's, you know, the intention is still healing. So, so the, you know, the album is about, you know, inspiration and healing and positivity and things like that. So since it's about love in general, are there songs written about a particular person? You know, the the album isn't about romantic love. It's about hippie kind of John Lennon kind of love, you know, love is all you need kind of thing. There's a couple love songs on there, but, um, you know, it, it's more general about the concepts of, you know, loving each other as, as people and, um, and all that. I mean, I've been married, you know, for a while, you know, my husband's a great guy, but I don't want to write every single song about him. I got a lot. My past albums, I got, you know, I got a bunch of love songs. So, Oh, no shortage of that. <laughs> nice. I was ready to go broader with it, you know, like a John Lennon thing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think that maybe the concept of that particular album could not be more relevant and needed than right now. <laughs> oh, no, I know. And this one song I have called it's um, time for a change. You know, it's not an angry song. It's it's like about let's have compassion. Let's understand each other and people who are different or, you know, maybe they're a different race or different religion. It's like we're really all in this together and we really have so much in common as people. I mean, everybody wants the best for their family. Everybody loves their family. Everybody wants a good life. You know, we really all just want the same things. Well, uh, and feel free to say no and I'll edit this out. But can I play that song? Of course. Would you like to introduce it like you are a radio DJ? Oh, I can try. I'll do my best. All right, hit it. <laughs> All right, this is my new song called A Time for a Change. And this song was originally inspired by the Flint water crisis here in Michigan. But then I wrote it to uh, be more of a broad concept um, to include just everything going on um, with people in the country and, and everything like that. So time for a change. Off of Angela's new album, Love. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Must be something in the water that makes us turn our blind eye. I see innocence of suffering and people cast it aside. Day to day, there's violence and injustice. To us, it's just status quo. Oh. Deep inside we all know 
fear-mongering, oh The disregard of poverty, win or lose mentality, oh Oh, 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 oh It's time for a change other to try and look past different faiths and different colors it's time mm-hmm. it's time for a change time to start caring about each other to realize how it looks through their eyes it's time for change it's time change uh thank you for that oh no problem thanks for asking oh oh please i love like i told you i love music you know what's really funny is um this is somewhere around my 175th episode something like that and i was sort of looking back on them the other day last week and i was like oh my gosh i've had so much music on my show because my show's not really centered around any particular subject it's just really people who i find fascinating so it's it's actors it's musicians it's directors it's athletes i mean it's ceos it's just everybody and so when i was looking back i'm like oh my gosh there's probably 70 songs that i've been able to play on my show that's amazing i'm gonna put a a playlist together in my phone and just listen to all of it <laughs> i can't oh wait. yeah yeah that's cool wait. I'm so and you gotta excited. throw in some monkey songs in there too you know oh well you know if i could interview one of those cats then that'd be dope yeah in addition to having your albums which you know it's five plus that ep that holiday ep you've had music played on tons of television shows how does something like that happen by no effort of mine. <laughs> now a little bit, you know, like every everything that I've that my songs have been picked up for has been like a surprise, you know. You know, people that live in either New York or Nashville or LA, maybe they know people, you know, but I don't know anybody. I'm in Michigan. I mean, there's not you know, I mean the music industry here it's not really here. You know, there's Eminem and Kid Rock fans, but you know, and they have their things going on, but as far as connecting with the larger industry. So anyways, I have sent my music to a lot of um, music libraries. So I've made it available. I've made it available in music libraries. You know, people think, oh, it's so cool having your music and TV and they think it's easy, but I've spent a lot of time doing really tedious, boring work with all the meta tagging, you know, so I sit there and I come up, I, I bust out a thesaurus and I come up with all these adjectives that describe that, you know, like cheerful, this, that holiday, you know, so because it's searchable. So people find them in these searchable databases of music. And, um, you know, I've had to sign contracts that, that say, yes, this is licensable and, you know, so I have just put them in these music libraries and I've done all the meta tagging and all the stuff you can do. And, um, I have a lot of songs out there in libraries. I have, you know, the, the vocal versions and I also upload the instrumental versions cause there's a lot of instrumental music in TV backgrounds. Probably most of it. It is. It is most of it. 
so yeah, it's just, um, it was in the libraries and it got picked up and I've really made it a point to research those libraries. You know, I've done a lot of, um, research. I found libraries to send it to and, um, just gotten it in there, made it available, done all the paperwork, done all the, all the boring, boring stuff online. So it's, it's worked out. Now, when, when somebody picks up one of your songs for something like that, do you get a notification or does somebody call you and say, Hey, is this cool with you? Or is it like the rates are set and all they got to do is pick it, pay for it and move on? Some of them I didn't get notified for, like Dance Moms. Um, I have, I've had two songs on Dance Moms, and I didn't get notified about that. Um, but I did get notified about the Hallmark movie um, I was in last year. So it's it was a movie that was new last year, and it's called um, Christmas on Honeysuckle Lane. It's on the Hallmark uh, movies and mysteries channel. So it's one of the Hallmark Christmas movies. And, uh, you know, they, they played it a lot last year and they're playing it a lot this year. It was just on last night. And that one, um, I did get notified for. So that's cool. So this year I went ahead and noted all the times it was on and I made a Facebook event and, you know, trying to make a big deal out of it, but it's pretty cool. Cause my song opens the movie. Oh, cool. Wow. That's really cool. You know, and I didn't know that, and I knew it was going to be in this movie. So, you know, when it was first on, I thought, okay, I don't know what they're going to do with it. It could be in the background. It could be under people talking. It could be some music off in the distance. I didn't know what to expect, but it was right at the beginning, and it, like, opens the movie, and it was great. It was awesome. Be honest. Did you pee a little? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no incontinence going on here. So I'm all good. So when they pick up a song, let's just use that Hallmark Christmas on Honeysuckle Lane example. When they pick up your song, you know, I guess you get notified or whatever that they're going to use it in that movie. And then you get paid for it when they pick it up. Do you get paid for it every single time that that movie airs? Okay, well, the way that it works is different. Some of the placements I've had have had an upfront fee, a licensing fee where I get money up front. Some of them don't. Some of them, it's it's a, called a gratis license, and there's no upfront money. There's no front end. It's all back end royalties. But yeah, I, I will also be getting royalties, even though I did get an upfront fee for the Hallmark movie. And I was also, I had a song on Switched at Birth, which was a free form popular show i got you know upfront money for that but some of the other ones i didn't and uh so then i do get royalties and those are you know it's it's a long delay it's like a minimum of six months and it's not like really huge you know it's not like right. oh i'm gonna go you know buy a new house or something you probably picked a bad example because uh, everybody in the country thinks you can pick up a house in detroit for you know 57 dollars Oh, you know what? If I wanted to go be in the in the inner city, I, you know, I probably could. I probably could have bought one of those houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. You can. You know, and I mean, I don't know. It seems like a decent investment if you got time to just wait it out because it's it's coming back in Detroit. I mean, I know people that have moved out of city neighborhoods because their rent got too high. <laughs> they were like, like musicians, you know, it's like this used to be cheap. Now it's like three hundred dollars more a month. Never mind. Oh, so it's coming back. That's good. It is. Good. Yeah, it is. Very cool. Hey, Streetwalkers. Here's a word from our sponsors. Hey, guys. If you like what I'm doing, click the Amazon banner at the top of the homepage on fascinationstreetpod.com and do all of your shopping through Amazon. 
Once you click on it and it takes you to Amazon, you can bookmark it or add it to your favorites and you won't have to go to my site each time. It helps me keep the show going and again, thanks for listening. Let's get back into it. I remember I think it was the stadium where the the Pistons played. Palace of Auburn Hills, is that a thing? Is that it? They they've moved. The Pistons yeah, but, play but, downtown but back, now. But yeah. Back when they played at the Palace, I think that it had gone into disuse, like they had already moved or whatever, and it was in a little bit of a disrepair. And somebody actually bought it like for less than the price of a, a nice house in San Antonio. <laughs> like, wow. It was crazy. Yeah, it was it was pretty nuts. So you sure you mean the Palace and not the Silverdome? Because the Silverdome was where the Lions used to play, and that went into total disrepair. I'm pretty sure it was it was where the Pistons used to play. So oh, okay. Yeah, I think that was, it was the Palace. The palace. Yeah, yeah, I think it sold for half a million dollars, which is oh. amazing. I don't know whatever happened to it. What's going on with the pale? That's like on another side of town. I'm yeah, I'm a little bit away from that. Sure. Yeah, I I used to drive up there for concerts. I think I saw you too there. Oh, nice. Back in the day, you know. Now, also, you had a song I think in America in Primetime, which was a, a Ron Howard series. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the first placements I had, and that was just instrumental. It was a cool song, though. It's, it's called I'm Wearing Black. You know, it has like a guitar feature uh, of a guitarist I was working with. And um, so they just took this sort of cool, slow, bluesy guitar part from it. And uh, But, you know, like I said, I had given these agencies, these libraries, the vocal version and the instrumental version. You know, so they used the instrumental for that. That was at a part where it was talking about the like racial unrest in the late 60s and so this cool bluesy guitar thing was was just pretty cool for it. What gave you the idea to submit both versions, an instrumental and a vocal version? You know, I heard that, that that's what they want. And, you know, when you upload to the libraries, they they request that. It's like, you know, we want the instrumental version, you know, if you have it. So, um, so I always made it a point to get those from my, like, mixing and mastering engineer, you know, I, I always ask to get another version just where they mute the vocal. You know, they just mute out the vocal and it's the same song. And um, so that makes it more commercially viable for me for as far as like licensing. That makes sense. Yeah. Tell me about Always Okay. That song is a lot deeper than you would think. Sort of my style model was Jason Raz, I'm Yours. It's pop, but it's reggae. It's reggae pop. So it's a reggae pop song. You know, reggae, the bass is important, right? So I got this really great um, Detroit bass player named James Simonson, and he's played with a lot of really awesome people and famous people and stuff. So he did a really great bass line for that, and uh, the rest of it is more simple reggae stuff and uh so anyways, but the lyrics are about, um, you know, it's really kind of a personal challenge that I'm working toward. I'm kind of always working on my own growth. And, you know, wouldn't it be nice if things didn't bother you and if you didn't get brought down by everything around you? So that song is basically, you know, talking about being always okay no matter what, you know, because like, you know, the the environment right now in the country, there, there's all this, everybody's tense and, and upset and people are angry about politics and this and that. And, you know, and you go into a situation or you turn on the TV and you can get brought down immediately. So it's kind of about me trying to keep my center 
me trying to um, feel good and be able to feel good. Like if you're around some really negative people or if you're just, you know, in, in a situation that you could be brought down and it would affect your mood and, you know, somebody could bring you right down into into their negative energy. But it's about, you know, the challenge to stay positive and be always okay no matter what. Interesting. Yeah. Is that off of the 2019 Love? Yeah, that's the first song on there. Yeah. Now, where can people go to hear your music and to buy your music? This album is is everywhere. It's uh, you know, on Apple Music, on Spotify, on Pandora, and uh, I don't I think they face out iTunes, but if you're an MP3 lover, I think you can get that on Amazon. Um, so, you know, my music is on Amazon. So, it's in all the digital places and um so that's where they can find it. And the spelling of my name is, is kind of crazy. I'm sure it's in your notes, but it's Angela. And then it's Predom, which is P-R-E-D-H-O-M-M-E. It's like the name Prudhomme, but it's an E. You know, instead of Prudhomme, it's Predom. Gotcha. Thank you for that. And I'm the only one. You know, so I kept my maiden name. You know, that's my maiden name. And I kept that because there's nobody else. You know, it's totally unique. So people can find me. Do you have any touring plans in 2020? I have a couple dates um, set up. I kind of did like a little Midwestern tour uh, this fall, which is extending into January. You know, I'm playing um, up north in Michigan pretty soon here. And then I'm playing in Dayton, Ohio. Then I'm playing uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan in December. And then in January, I'm playing in Cincinnati. And in, next year, I would like to get out a little more. I'm looking at putting together like an East Coast tour. And I also would like to get to Texas. You know, I've had a couple people ask me about coming to Texas. I have somebody that does house concerts that would like to host. So it's just a matter of getting the logistics together, making it happen, making it, you know, make sense financially you know, because touring can be really expensive. Like the, the Midwest touring I've been doing, I usually go somewhere for one night and then I come home because it's drivable. But somewhere for me, like the East Coast, you know, that's a good 12 hours from Detroit. And then Texas is a good 20 hours, you know. So so those, I would be just staying there. And um, so, you know, it's just a matter of coordinating it all. And of course, the West Coast is awesome. So um so, yeah, you know, I, I look forward to to getting out more. And I would say that people should follow me on Bands in Town, bandsintown.com. And if you track me, you know, you can track an artist and then you get notified when they're coming to your area. Nice. That's bandsintown.com, yeah. guys. So besides Bands in Town, where can we find you on social media? Well, my name. So Angela Predom. So most things are that, like my Twitter is Angela Pradom, my my Facebook is Angela Pradom, and uh, of course on on the streaming services they can just find my name. But uh, Instagram, I'm just a Pradom, a p r e d h o m m e. So you know, I'm just I'm out there. I'm easy to find because if you if you know how to spell my name, and it's which is in the notes too. So yes, is there an AngelaPradom.com? Yes, which is the hub of everything. What might I find there? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I got the typical stuff. I got my bio. I got, you know, a page for videos. I got a page of photos. I have a blog. I have, you know, news and social media links and, you know, hopefully everything you would want. Nice. Well, as we're heading out, Angela, is there anything that I didn't ask you or that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? 
Not really. You know, I would say that people should put my music on their playlists if they want to be um, brought up or inspired. You know, if they have a happy or positive playlist, my music is pretty good for that. That's all I would have to say. And I, I hope that everybody can get through the stress in their lives and find some peace and enjoyment in music, you know, because music is really such a saving thing in this world. You know, it lifts you up. It makes you feel so good. Yeah. Especially with all of this terrible cold weather that's plaguing the country, everybody's going to be depressed and need to put on some, some Angela Freedom and get all motivated and excited and uplifted and stuff. Or just chill out and feel some peace, you know, whatever. Yeah. Maybe some cocoa and a fireplace. You know what? I got a real fire. Yeah, we got a wood-burning fireplace here in Michigan, and I use that thing all the time. I'll, you know, I'll, every day lately I've been making fires. It's great. Yeah. And then I do my practicing. You know, I go do my rehearsing near the fireplace, near the piano, and it's good. That's fantastic. Well, Angela Freedom, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy and freezing cold schedule to hang out and let us get <laughs> to know you a little bit better on Fascination Street. Oh, you're welcome. And you got some freezing stuff going on there, too. Yes, you know, we do. 30s, boo. 20s, and 30s in Texas. Wow. Yes, and I work outside, so boo. Uh, we're, you know, we're better equipped for it here in Michigan. I mean, we got the clothes, you know, I got parkas and boots and, but you guys aren't prepared, you know? That is correct. We is not prepared. Like I work outside and I usually wear shorts. Oh. I was just wearing shorts with these weird long johns hanging out under them. I, I looked ridiculous. Do what you got to awesome. do. Do what you got to yeah. do, you know? Yep. Yeah. Self-preservation. <laughs> That's right. Got to make those dollars. Yeah. All right, Angela, again, I, I can't stress enough how grateful and honored I was to talk to you. So thank you again. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, you were like super easy to talk to and, and it was cool. Well, that is the goal. <laughs> you achieved it. Check. <laughs> you have a great rest of your day. Okay, you too. Bye. Okay, bye. As always, thanks for listening, Streetwalkers. And don't forget, follow the show on Twitter at FascinationSTPD, on Instagram at FascinationStreetPod. Follow the podcast page on Facebook at FascinationStreetPodcast. And of course, you can always email me at FascinationStreetPod at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button and rate us on iTunes. Opening music is the song Magnolia from the 2014 album Intransigence. Used with permission from Douglas Miles Clark. Closing music is Apollo from the 2001 album Into the Known by the band Sapphire. Thanks for hanging out with us and getting to know a little bit about our guest. We'll see you next time on Fascination Street.